Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. The Flyers have 11 games left, and their playoff hopes are not looking very good. Uh, That is probably putting it incredibly nicely. Um, I think this season has certainly shifted toward let's focus on next season, let's evaluate, let's start constructing our roster for 2021-22. And that's where the Flyers are right now. They've underachieved, but it gives us plenty of games to evaluate guys, see different things, and really start looking toward next season. And and there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, the Flyers are starting to look at young guys like Wade Allison. They looked at Tanner Lezinski. Uh, Jackson Cates is now on the roster and probably can make his NHL debut soon. Uh, So so plenty to look forward to. The Flyers have a back-to-back in New York against the Rangers. Uh, coming up in Madison Square Garden Thursday and Friday. Taryn, that is their return to the 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 scene of the crime. Scene of the crime? Yes. The last time they were there, they lost 9-0. Taryn, what are you looking for, for the for, from the Flyers when they go to New York? What are you looking for a lot in in the rest of these games? They have 11 left. Um, You know, at this point, I think, well, it doesn't – quite matter what I'm looking for as much as what the front office guys are looking for. But I think at this point, you just want to see some, some character victories from some of these players, to be honest with you, especially the veteran guys, because we heard Chuck Fletcher say it, Jonesy said it when he laid into the guys on post-game live the one day, as I also kind of laid into the guys on that same post-game live is that when your GM is coming out and he's talking about the chemistry of the team, the makeup of this team just isn't right. A lot of that is a reflection on you know, the, the wherewithal of some of these players, you know, and the thing that's wild is that we did see them have a ton of success before the COVID pause now over a year ago. Right. And once they came back from the pause in the bubble, and then obviously this year, that same level of success wasn't there anymore. And the teams that do really well, like seem like they're doing very well right now, there's a certain, um, like substance to their character as a team and to their veterans that lead their team. And I think you want to see that at this point in the season, the flyers were ravaged by COVID during the year. And I think it did have a longer lasting impact than people want to say it did, or, you know, whatever. And other teams got hit by COVID as well. And they didn't necessarily have the same impact. Some teams got hit by COVID and it did have a similar impact. Um, but at this point, that excuse feels like it's, you know, almost two months behind us. And while these young guys come up, you want to see what they can do. And from your guys who have been there, I think you just want to see some, some character wins. And, um, you know, that's Kevin Hayes being more visible in a, in a positive way. You know, that's some of the veteran leaders doing the, the little things right that don't show up on the score sheet. You, I want to see James Van Reems like do what he's been doing at the beginning of the year. I know Carter Hart has, um, has that lower body into that knee sprain that he's still dealing with. And we'll get into that, but you do want to see him get out there and get some wins. You want to see the defense play well in front of Brian Elliott. There's a lot of things on an emotional level that still matter that you'd like to see them get corrected down the stretch. Cause they still have more than 10 games left and you don't want to leave 
the fan base with a bad taste in their mouth. You don't want to leave your teammates with a bad taste in your mouth. You don't want to leave your front office members with a bad taste in their mouth about their team. Um, Cause this could be an, an off season where Chuck Fletcher takes, takes some big swings. I wouldn't be surprised. So it's really about playing for your job at this point. Absolutely. And, you know, when the playoffs are out of reach, uh, that doesn't mean the end of the season doesn't matter. Um, I think it holds a lot of weight in, in what you carry over into next season. You see a lot of teams, they want to finish strong because it's something to build off of. You, you have the entire offseason to kind of stew over however your season finished. And if the Flyers can string together some positive, uh, some positive signs, do some good things, resemble the team of last season going into this offseason – that's something to build off of. It's something to look back and say, hey, we can play the right way. We can compete with some of the best teams in the East Division. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs, but we feel like we're not far off. And maybe they can build off of those things. Uh, the evaluation is huge for management, but I think there's something there for players as well to take into the offseason. Joe, Sean Couturier said uh, the other day, and he's one of, obviously, the leadership guys, um, really a guy that leads by example. A lot of people look up to him. Uh, he said the other day that he feels the Flyers have been too easy to play against at times. And that was not the case last year. Really a staple of their game last year was that they were really hard to play against. Teams didn't like to play against them because the way the Flyers played, how hard they were to play against. Uh, it's been the opposite this season. Far too often they are easy to play against. Do you feel like that's something they can correct the rest of the way? And do you feel like we're going to see a different team next season in terms of being tough to play against again? Well, I think there's a couple things at play here. Um, one of them, as Taryn mentioned, is the big swings that, um, that Chuck Fletcher pretty much has to try to make this offseason. The other, I think, is that you're, going, you're not getting from certain guys that are definitely going to be here next year what you got from them last year. And I feel like this season a little bit is a microcosm of the play of Kevin Hayes. Um, we mentioned on the last podcast and we've beaten this drum a little bit, not a little bit, a lot bit on the pre and post game show. Um, Kevin Hayes commitment to defense, I feel like is part of what made this team hard to play against because you didn't just have a Sean Couturier line that this, that was hard to play against. You had a Kevin Hayes line. These lines were centered by guys who played all 200 feet of the ice. They made it hard to play against. They made these made lines like the perfection line, the Bruins, or, you know, whatever line gives the, the, the Flyers fits on any given night against the Islanders because it's never the same line when you play that team. But a line like the Rangers' top line, they're not just going to have their way with Mika Zibanejad doing whatever he wants on the ice. Same with Panarin. And when you have two lines of, of, of a defensively structured team – in addition to your defense, you're hard to play against. And I don't feel like that's been the case nearly enough this year. Um, something different about Kevin Hayes' commitment to defense um, is definitely noticeable this year. And I'll also say this. We mentioned on several podcasts their penalty kill. And I feel like their penalty kill has struggled this year in, in part due to Kevin Hayes' commitment on defense. I mean, we remember, and Taryn and I have talked about this, remember this last year on several penalty kills where he would just rag the puck and he would almost knock a minute, a half the power play off by himself, just skating around with the puck. I don't remember one time seeing it this year. 
I really can't remember one single time. And I feel like what he has to do, a lot of guys have to do on this team, and that's recommit to a structure defensively. And I feel like that's when when guys are like Couturier are saying, we haven't been hard enough to play against. I feel like that's what it is. Um, and you're also not getting uh, often, some offensive production that you'd expect from certain guys too. Um, but I really th- think at the core of that not being hard enough to play against is that defensive structure that they had last year with Couturier's line and Hayes' line. Um, and I feel like there's been a lot of breakdowns. Maybe there's, you know, there's been some gambling on the part of um, Kevin Hayes in terms of trying to create offense and maybe trying a little too hard. It's happened on several occasions with Jake Voracek as well as Travis Konechny as well, where guys fly the zone before the puck is really cleared out of the zone or possessions maintained. And we've seen guys fly the zone to try to get a, a jump offensively when they haven't really, you know, ended the possession in their own zone yet. And I feel like those are the things that have to get corrected. And I think they can be corrected in addition to the personnel changes, which I feel like anybody that pays attention to this team realizes there has to be uh, personnel changes on the horizon here with the off season. You know, what's interesting on that point, Joe, too, is you mentioned that the Couturier line was tough. And then the Kevin Hayes line came out and that, that line was tough to defend against. And then Scott Lawton would center that third line sometimes, or you'd even have Michael Roffel in there. And they were both tough. They like, they would just grind you down physically and Scott Lawton would be a workhorse. And the four C position was really a question mark last year. And then he brought in um, Nate Thompson and it brought it, it was tough. It was tough down the middle all season long. Uh, well, not all season long, but it was tough down the middle once AV figured out what pieces he had. And you look at how different it looks this year. Okay, the Sean Trey line is tough to play against. And then you have the Kevin Hayes line. And I do think maybe some of that is like gripping the stick to try to create because there's been a ton of games where the Flyers have really struggled to create. And I think Kevin Hayes does cheat when he thinks I can do this myself or I have to do this myself. I, I, that's just my, my thought based on conversations I've had with him last year. Obviously this year we don't have a ton of access. And then you have that Nolan Patrick line on the third line, and I don't want to kill Nolan here, but it's it's not the same uh, like motor and defensive physicality that Scott Lawton brought last year. And then the fourth line has has changed, and sometimes Nolan's been on the fourth line, you know. But the, the look down the middle has not been as hard to play against. And defensively, we talked about the defensive course breakdowns as well. But a lot of the Flyers' defensive breakdowns, it feels like, starts at the front with people who aren't doing following through with their assignments properly. And, and you're totally right when you point out the Kevin Hayes thing because it, it's not just that Hayes line that looks different. It is the guys behind him. And then really to try to shore up any defensive structure from the forwards, you have to wait till Sean Couturier's line gets back out there. And that's why on some nights at the beginning of the season, the fourth line, that Michael Roffle, Nick Obey, Cubell, Who's on the other wing on that fourth line? But that was the Flyers' second best line a lot of nights. And I think it's because they had defensive responsibility that they felt. And it helped them when it came to forechecking and the neutral zone getting back defensively. It was Connor Bunneman, because remember, AV praised Connor Bunneman a lot. 
early on in the season. And Taryn, it's interesting. And Jordan, is you mentioned, you guys mentioned um, the pl- there are certain players. You mentioned Nate Thompson, and he picked up Derek Grant at the deadline last yeah. year too. And then Tyler Pitlick. These are guys who know what their role is on the team, and they know their role is to not score thirty goals, not to score twenty goals. They kind of were just guys that got in the way. They didn't yeah. just let the other team would do what they want. And I feel like those are the type of players that are missing on this team are guys that get in the way as simple or as sort of even dumb as that sounds. No, it's, it's true. It's like the way Sean Curie said, the flyers are easy to play against some nights, Derek Grant, Nate Thompson, Tyler Pitlick, Michael Roffel, Nico Bay-Cubell when he's not in the penalty box for like penalties in the offensive zone, you know, whatever. Those are players who make it difficult on the other team. Kevin Hayes used to make it difficult on the other team. Scott Lawton, especially on good nights, makes it very difficult on the other team. Right now, the Flyers really don't have a ton of players making it. They have players who can create. I mean, you can argue, although I think James Van Riemsdyk has had a pretty good year in terms of like moving escapes and being in the right spots, even when he doesn't get points. But you, like, you could argue when JVR is not playing well, he can still create, but he, he didn't always used to make it hard. I would argue that's not the situation this year, but that was just the first example that came to my mind. You, you need guys who make it difficult for the other team, especially when your defensemen are not super confident. Like the Flyers don't have a ton of that this year, which is strange because they do have mostly the same personnel. Um, but it's that's that was the other when Michael Raffle was traded I remember sitting there thinking like every issue they have he's not the he's not the answer to all the problems but he is the opposite of their issues and Michael Raffle doesn't want to score 40 goals in a season he's not going to be a star but he's a workhorse and they need more guys to play like workhorses right now than they have which is part of the issue which is part of what you'd like to see at the end of the season here. I think it's also why Wade Allison already looks really good. He just works really hard in a game. And it's nice to see that energy from someone because you don't see it every single game. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hey, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, I think what makes it so confusing and perplexing with this team is that you see it you see it in increments you see it in stages just go back to let their last game the one nothing overtime loss to the islanders the islanders are a team that went to the east final last season they're right there with the capitals at the top of the east division and the flyers take it to them pretty pretty good for the first two periods i believe they allowed only 13 shots over those first two periods now they couldn't score they couldn't crack the islanders it was a 0-0 game going into the third period, and obviously it ended up a one nothing overtime loss. But they really looked like that team, north-south, get after you, live in the offensive zone, and they outplayed one of the better teams um, and a team that believes they can go to the East Final and maybe even go to the Stanley Cup. 
So you see it sometimes, but it just this year it's just been so up and down. It's been more down than up. And it just makes you wonder, like, how close are they? Are they really far or are they close? Taryn, do you think maybe they are one piece away in the offseason from taking a much bigger stride? Or do you think there's going to be more to fix, more um, more of a shakeup to really get this team to that next step? I know it's a big question, but it's just one that's kind of been weighing on my mind a ton. Yeah. I have no idea because yeah. you have no idea what team is going to show up on any given night. That's yeah. the problem. And that's what I think it's important to show Chuck Fletcher what team he really has. Like, at least if you're a fan, that's what you want. You want this team to be transparent through the next 11 games. So at least you know what due north is and you can head that direction, right? Because right now it feels like the compass is pointing all over the place. And that's the thing that's frustrating. The Flyers seem to play the Islanders well every single game this season. And if you'll talk to Al Morganti on any given day, he will tell you the Islanders are the best team in the league in his opinion. Like, so there's, but it, it, and the Flyers hate that, hate matching up with that style. Like when you talk to them, they hate matching up with that style of team and they play the best against that style of team this season. So it's very interesting. And I wish we had more access because I'd love to pick brains off the record just to have context for why that might be. We don't have that kind of access this year, which so that kind of sucks. Um, but it's like, I don't understand how the Flyers can go from playing the Islanders the way they do to at times throughout the season playing Buffalo a game or two games later and getting blown out by five goals. And Buffalo sucks. Like, and their talent level sucks. And I know Linus Allmark is good, but they still suck. So it's great, it shouldn't great city. be that way. <laughs> like, what? It's a great city. I'm sorry, yeah, Buffalo. Great city. They know. They know. <laughs> they know. I mean, great hockey fan base. They're awesome. But, like, they know. They're suffering through it. And they sell off Brandon Montour and Taylor Hall, and the Flyers still go get beat by five goals from them. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. That's the thing that's frustrating is I have no idea if they're one one big piece away or if they're a bunch of small, you know, if they're a bunch of depth players away or if they're, you know – like we said, big swings, like getting people to waive no moves or trying to get teams to buy into big contracts. I have no idea because I think, and most people that know what they're talking about that I've spoken to think that Carter Hart will be fine next year, that this year has sucked for him. He's had a really hard time dealing with quarantine and the realities of living in this kind of situation and the, the mental aspect of playing goaltender in this city amidst all of that and the pressure and the conversations. I think he'll be fine. I really do. But Brian Elliott was on a one-year contract. Who knows if he wants to endure what he's endured this year again next year? We have no idea. And who knows what Carter's going to bring to the table next year? Like, there's a lot of questions that we never thought would be questions. We thought the Flyers had too much depth at defense, and they don't. So, you know, there's a lot of questions that we thought were answered coming into the season that are not on top of needs that already existed that still do exist. So Jordan, to answer your question in a million words, I have no idea. And Chuck Fletcher is a great guy, but boy, oh boy, do I not envy him right now because I'm sure he's trying to figure it out himself. Yeah, I do not. I've said before, I do not envy his position and Taryn, you're not the only one because I don't think I think there's a lot of people out there that don't really know or can't really put their finger on why the Flyers have played the way they have this season and why they're so Jekyll and Hyde 
you ask players, you, we've asked the coaches, um, we've asked uh, the general manager, Chuck Fletcher, and they've all um, tried to hit on certain points about why they think they are where they are, but I don't know if anyone really has the perfect answer. No one has a crystal ball. Um, if they did, they'd fix it. Um, so big offseason ahead, we know that, and it's a perfect segue into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. And of course, it's about goaltending. Why not? Right now, uh, who knows? Who knows where the Flyers would be if they really got standout goaltending, the goaltending that I think a lot of people thought they were going to have this season, and they quite frankly had not gotten it. Right now, Carter Hart isn't even on the ice. He hasn't been able to practice lately. Uh, we know he was scratched from one of his starts over the weekend. He turns out he has a mild knee sprain. Doesn't sound very serious. Elaine Vigneault doesn't think it's very serious. The team doesn't believe it's very serious, but obviously they're erring on the side of caution. Uh, that makes perfect sense given where the team is in the standings and given Carter Hart is only 22 and obviously he's their franchise uh, netminder. But Joe Flores, I'll start with you. Our Cold Brew Jack presented by Duncan. Do you want to see Carter Hart play again this season? I think some people are even thinking, hey, should they shut him down? Go, go with Brian Elliott. Go with Alex Lyon the rest of the way. Let Carter just practice, get healthy, and focus on next year? Or do you think these starts could be valuable to Carter Hart? How do you feel about it? I don't, I'm not, I don't support the, the shut him down thing. If this injury is not serious, I, I don't like the idea of shutting him down because then there is this, there's this little bit of doubt where it almost seems like you're hesitant to let him play because of what might happen. And I don't think that is a good way to go into the off season. Um, where you need to improve uh, because then your most recent body of work is mostly a struggle see, a season where you struggled and then a couple good games and then an injury and then being shut down. I, I don't think that's a good way to go into the off season. I'm not saying play him every game, but I'm saying he has to play. If there's 11 games, let's say, I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to go to New York. So there's nine games after that that he um, is a, that, that he would conceivably be able to play in if he is healthy enough after the New York trip. Um, I'd like to say I'd like to see him play four um, because I, I think you have to go you have to try to give him a carrot to go into the offseason. one that he can reach back and say, you know. It was a down year, but I had this at the end. You know, maybe he goes out there and he gets a shutout or he plays really well against, uh, you know, a, a high-scoring team, um, you know, makes some big, big, you know, big-time saves. And, you know, we saw him make some – you don't want to call it a throwback from a guy that's young as him, but we saw some saves in his recent games that reminded us of what we saw in the back-to-back -back shutouts in the playoffs – or at other points last year, the things that made everybody go, that's our guy. He's our franchise goalie. And I think to have situations where we could see some of that again, and he could have some of that again, that's the way to go into the offseason, in my opinion. Yeah, if there's anything bothering Carter Hart in the slightest, do not put him out there. Like, th this is not one of those scenarios where no one's 100% at this time of year, right? Like, no, Carter Hart needs to be 100% if they're going to play him and put him out there. And it sounds like it's not very serious, but at this point where the Flyers are in the standings, um, Carter Hart should be 100%. There should be no doubt at all about his health if he's going to play. But I am of – I'm in agreement, Joe, with you. I think 
get him in some games, let him build some confidence, let him play. Don't just shut him down. Like you said, let him have some things to build on going into the off season. If he can do any positives, uh, go into the off season on a high note. I think that could be really good for him. Um, and I want to see him get better. I want to see him work on things in games as well, not just practice. Taryn, how about you? Well, the other part of this as well is that if you want to see the team you truly have as you head into the offseason, it's important from a standpoint of, and it's something I've talked about on this podcast a bunch of times, and I'll continue to reference it because I always defer to what professional hockey players tell me about the experience of playing professional hockey. Ian LaPerriere, when I talked to him about the 2018-2019 season that by most people's standards was a disaster versus the 2019-2020 season, which was the Flyers' best since I was in college um, is that it's an entirely different game when you're playing in front of a goaltender you have confidence in. And I know the Flyers don't have a whole ton of confidence in Carter right now, but you'd want them, but this is not a ricochet shot at anybody, but the way that the Flyers play in terms of confidence level in front of Carter, if he continues to get better in these last, you know, nine games, five of whom are against New Jersey Devils, two against Pittsburgh, two against Washington. So you could play him all five games against the Devils if you want to try to give him a shot against a team that's not above you in the standings or killing you or whatever. Um, is there's still going to be more confidence in front of Carter than there is in front of Alex Lyon. And so you're probably going to see a more true version of your team in front of Carter than in front of Alex Lyon, even though Carter has struggled through the season. If he continues to kind of get a a little bit better as he goes, then you would expect that they will play more true to themselves in front of Carter than in front of Alex, which will help you evaluate your team in the off season, very much like a minor factor in all of this, but one that I think is still important because I mean, Latvia said to me a million times, you get all out of disarray when you have, when you don't really know or trust your goaltender like that, because you're overcompensating or you do something good. And then the puck goes down in your defensive zone. And then you're like, Oh God, like, why do we do all this work? Not saying that's the case with Alex line, but should be less. So with Cart. the other thing is, is that like, a, I, I want to see if Carter's healthy. I want to see Carter want to get in the net against Washington and against Pittsburgh. I want to see that. I want to see him as they're playing for playoff position, even if the Flyers are out. I want to see him get hungry to stop pucks against Ovi and Sidney Crosby. Because guess what? Next year, he's going to have to stop pucks against Ovi and Sidney Crosby for the entirety of the season before there is a playoff run. So you want to see him get back to that level where he is comfortable against the toughest opponents because he was last year. So I think my, my point of view on it, I never, I don't really need to see him play against the Rangers. I think that they've absolutely demoralized both flyers goaltenders, but I I don't really think Carter needs another run at that one, but, uh, after like give them four of the devil's games and give them a game against Washington or a game against Pittsburgh or two. Well, no, I think they're both back to bats Pittsburgh and the Washington series. So, so give them three against the devils, one against Pittsburgh, one against Washington. I want to see him up against the difficult teams to beat. Let him get his confidence up against the devils. Hopefully knock on wood. It's not like the flyers have really smashed the devils all season, but if I'm, Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault, I want to see him play well against good teams before the season ends. 
Um, I don't think it's the end of the world if he can't, you know, if he's not physically comfortable, I wouldn't put him out there, but if he's good to go, it seems like his confidence is getting back to, to neutral. We got to see him get back in the green, you know, he's been in the red all year. So you got to see him get back in the green against good opponents. I think it'd be worth something to the fan base, which people will argue it's, it's not worth that much. It's not worth health, but if he's healthy, I think it's worth it. It matters to people. I mean, doesn't really, on any given night, whether Carter's playing or not, we're talking about him. People on the radio are talking about him. When I go to the deli to get my hoagies, you know who people ask me about? They ask me about Carter Hart every time. So it'd be nice to see him try to finish the season on a solid confidence building note, even though the rest of the season has gone not exactly his way. Yeah, people in hockey always say uh, there is – no better way to evaluate than games. You just don't get a better way to evaluate talent and uh, what you have than games. And uh, the Flyers have 11 games left. That is a terrific sample size to evaluate everything and uh, get the best read possible on this team before Chuck Fletcher has not only big decisions, but tough decisions in the offseason. So these are important games uh, and very important games to management and the people that are making those big and hard decisions. Uh, so yes, goaltending is right there. Uh, it's not like goaltending has been there all season. That, that's nothing to worry about. No, the Flyers, they need to evaluate the position. They need to evaluate Carter Hart. And that was the cold brew check presented by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's head over to our friends at PointsBet, the NBC Sports betting partner. Let's look at the Norris Trophy odds. Uh, the favorite right now to win the Norris Trophy over at PointsBet is Victor Hedman at minus 175, followed by Adam Fox, who is in the East Division. He's at plus 240. And then he's followed by John Carlson, also in the East Division, at plus 500. Ivan Provorov is not listed, but it's a guy that I think Flyers fans are hoping one day soon he could be up for the Norris Trophy. And it's very topical right now for Flyers fans because, hey, the Flyers may be a top pair defenseman away from contending again, from getting back into the playoff picture. We'll have to see if they get one in the offseason. And we'll have to see how that affects Ivan Provorov's game going into next season. But those are the Norris Trophy odds at PointsBet, the NBC Sports betting partner. So we'll have more to evaluate as the Flyers go to the world's most famous arena. And they have two games against the Rangers, a team that's been really weird with them. But uh, I think the hockey should be fun to watch. And I know you both, Joe and Taryn, will have all the coverage on pre- and post-game live. Taryn or Joe, anything to tease for those looking forward to watching pre and post. We have a mystery guest. There we go. Which, which game? Thursday or Friday? So which one are we uh, airing it for? Thursday? Uh, yeah, tomorrow. Yep. 
I love it. So fans, there you have it. You can watch and catch out that mystery guest. They have been awesome all season. I, I can maybe get, so every mystery guest has insulted Jonesy. I don't know <laughs> what this one has to insult Jonesy with, but I will try to actually, I don't even provoke it anymore. I think people just enjoy insulting Jonesy. Jonesy acts like he doesn't enjoy it, but he absolutely enjoys it. And by the way, last show, last show, a guy who only had played one NHL game, well, sort of was goaded into taking some shots at him by JJ. He, he, yeah. he, he teed him up to take a little shot at him about his, uh, his status at the, uh, in the history of his uh, college. So Wade, Wade kind of like wasn't biting though. I, Kevin yeah. Hayes joking today that Wade's from a town of what, 30 people? Or did he say 300 people? 30? 30. And he said, wait, yeah. now there's only 29 because obviously. Yeah, you could, you could tell he hasn't been, um, as a proud current resident of Philadelphia, person who grew up under the influence of Philadelphia, you can tell he has yet to be really um, corrupted by the passion <laughs> that is Philadelphia. Yeah. He was he was so sweet. Josie was trying to pull it out of him. And Wade's just like, yeah, he's a legend. Why is that? I don't know. And just starts laughing. It was really good. But Wade, you know what? That's what I would like to see Wade Allison continue to rack up points towards the end of this season because the kid seems like he's an absolute gem. So, and, the, and it's something to look forward to when it comes to these Philadelphia Flyers. So, there you go. And, and more memes of him uh, with the smelling salts. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, he's an entertaining dude. It was funny. I was leaving the uh, practice facility today, and there, there was that storm basically coming down on, uh, obviously, Philadelphia and South Jersey. And Wade, clearly, he, he must be staying at the hotel down the street from the practice facility right now. Obviously, he doesn't have a place. And he, he, he was walking. Like, he clearly doesn't have a car or anything. You didn't offer him a ride? Taryn, I was about to, like, drive by and be like, wait, like, I'll drop you off. Uh, I, I was truly going to ask him because, like, it was about the downpour he was walking with not a care or a worry in the world. It was hilarious. Um, so, you I figured, so you didn't offer him a ride. I didn't. Well, I think, I, honestly, I think this story missed Voorhees. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like downpouring yet or anything. It was hardly even drizzling. And uh, with Corona and all that, you know, I was being safe, being careful, you know, keeping my distance. Right, Taryn? Well, I'm yeah. vaccinated. So <laughs> I would have, I would have been like, wait, I'm vaccinated. Do you need a ride? That's yeah. what, that would have been my approach personally, but you know, to each that. their own. I'll have to apologize to him later for not offering him a ride, but a very, very cool guy and uh, entertaining and entertaining on the ice too. So he is another reason to check out the Flyers on Thursday and Friday, check out pre and post game live brought to you by Taryn Hatcher and Joe Fordyce. Taryn and Joe, thank you so much as always love chatting with you. Ben Berry, our podcast producer, a special thank you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. And don't pick up hitchhikers unless they're weighed out. There you go.